Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions in life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Relationship Science Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Aditi Kuti, and today I'm joined by Dr. Susan Kay. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's fun to be here. (laughs) Really excited to have you here. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what you do? A little bit. What is a little bit? (laughs) As little or as much as you want. (laughs) Maybe give it a few minutes. (laughs) I've been around a long time, so I have a lot to say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've been working as a... First, a neck down provider in the realm of healing, putting hands on people since the 1980s. And in 2000, I worked my way through to get my degree in um, human sexuality. So I then started to train people to do what I did because I was learning so much being in a therapeutic setting, which is the neck up folks, and I was the neck down person, Mm -hmm. we were working as a team. And what we learned from what the body stores, which is now called the issues in the tissues, right? We understand (laughs) that. But back then we didn't. So we were like pioneering and sometimes scared of what we were, we were learning or finding out about what people live with and walk with in the memories in their bodies. So I had that experience to take into, uh, along with my training as a PhD sexologist, to then start training folks, both neck up, the therapist, and the neck down folks, any kind of body worker, and medical team folks as well. It's eight o'clock. Oh, sorry. That's my my computer guy Um, to teach us how we can. uh, I mean, I I taught folks in trainings how we work with bringing the neck up and the neck down together for a comprehensive wellness um, therapeutic practice. And that's what we do. We have nine teams around the country now. Um, I'm I'm moving more into doing the trainings because they're finally caught up to me. I've been saying this for 30 years and now this mind body integrative medicine, you know, it's all like, <laughs> uh-huh, I told you. And so now we're getting more busy with uh, people want to get trained, which is very exciting. Yeah, for sure. That does sound really exciting. It's nice that the world is kind of finally catching up to um, right. where you're at. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, your background is sexology and mind and body, um, that kind of thing. What, how would you define um, kind of your field of work? 
I define this field as the core of our humanity. Mm -hmm. Really understanding the deep need that we have to love each other. And love is a loaded word. I think it's like six paragraphs in the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that we're born with all of our skin hungers fully developed. As a baby, we can only really read our world through touch. We can't see so good. We can't hear so good. We can smell mother's milk, but we have no taste buds. And what happens as we age out? You can't see so good. You can't hear so good. And we lose our sense of taste and smell, but our skin hungers and our skin's ability to feel, unless there's accident or illness, is there till we leave the planet. And that yeah. says to me from whatever creator or have spirit or however we got here, it's an important part of our being human beings and how we share it or don't share it registers inside of our, our either having a connection to humanity or being kind of left out of the, the whole humanity experience that we're here to have. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, and so I guess sexual intimacy kind of falls into all of that. Well, I, I separate sexual and intimacy Okay. in that the sexual piece, and that's what everybody's focused on, is what I call the 10%, mm -hmm. right? That's the 10%. Everybody wants to, is all the hoopla. <laughs> intimacy, which I speak to as into me see, know me. Share with me. Help me share myself with you. And that's what we all really want. And that's the other 90% right. that we work with. And it's when we get some stuff cleaned up from what went on in your childhood that's still locked in your head or in your heart or in your muscles, tendons, bones, um, what you're walking with that we, we, we got as children, basically that's where it starts and how it got layered on. Uh, when we can plug through these pieces and parts and in using the term into me see, which I also call the you with you, we have to get straight the you with you before we get you with others. Right. And of then course. the 10% is more naturally and more easily shared. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I do agree with that. Um, and we will talk a lot more about this um, coming up. But first, um, I wanted to know, I wanted our guests to get to know you, um, to get to know Dr. K. So I'm going to ask you um, a couple of questions um, and just let me know what comes to your mind when you hear these keywords. It could be your favorite or it could be just the first thing or the last thing that you consumed for example. Uh oh now I'm being <laughs> terrified. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so what about a book? What about a book? Yeah. So what is kind of your favorite book? Well, I think it's soon going to be my favorite book is my book coming out in July. <laughs> 
But as far as, yeah. as far <laughs> as in the work, my favorite book that really started me down this path is Ashley Montague's um, the, the Significance of the Human Skin. Mm-hmm. And it really is an eye-opener in the message around what happens to children or babies when they're not touched. And he did experiments using animals, of course, but we have messages about what happens to babies when they're not touched from the wars. They, they died. And the same will happen with animals, especially monkeys that they work with. If you don't, they don't get touched. It's a, a deep human need on many levels. So yeah, that's what's, that was one of my first books, so if not the first book. And I'd show it to you. It's all beat up with a rubber band wrapped around it because I've read it so many times. I used, used it for quotes and statistics. And yeah, Ashley Montague. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's always good to have like one book that you could kind of yeah, rely on for you. everything. Right. Uh, what about your favorite movie? Oh, boy. Am I supposed to say the first thing comes to my Sure. <laughs> okay, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Fair enough. <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> but it is a deep love story mm-hmm. and it has many messages about your relationship with yourself, your relationship with family, your relationship with your country, your relationship with belief systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It highly affected me. I I was ten when it when I first saw it, and it's still. In fact, I have a picture of them sitting right over there. <laughs> Clark Gable and oh, I forget her name. Scarlet was her name. Scarlet was her stage name. Character but, name, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. everybody needs to watch it. Three hours long. I'm sorry, but it's worth it. It's a good, it's a classic. Um, What about your favorite podcast? Oh, my favorite podcast. (sighs) Well, I would have to say, um, hmm, Bella LaBella. I don't know how she calls herself, but uh, her, the, her name is Bella, um, and she speaks to a lot of different ways that people find pleasure. She gets into a lot of the fringe uh, fetishes, BDSM, and looking at pleasure inside of all of that, and also some of the psychology of it. Bella LeVay, L-E-V-E-Y, is is her name. Bella and she, she's she's uh, interviewed me a few times, so I'm on there too. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, great one to look into um, to hear yeah, more from I you. Yeah, I think the variety is important because we can get stuck on, we get stuck on this, um, the shoulds of, yeah, of course. Of what sexuality should look like or you know, I'm sure we'll get into, I'll be able to talk more. Oh, absolutely. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Who's a famous role model that you look up to? Dr. Bill Staten. Now you're going to make me cry. Dr. Bill is a Baptist minister who is a sexologist. 
And I got to be in his back pocket for 35 years. Bill is now 88. He's still teaching and in front of the room. Uh, but he's the one that put me in the, the Wayne office in Philadelphia where he opened a practice, a sexuality practice, and saw the value uh, from the book read, he read called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan. That's another good book to introduce this um, conversation about how we bring the neck up and neck down together. So he, in his practice, he worked with a lot of folks who walked with struggles around religious trainings and we get religious trainings early. And so he was doing the neck up work and I was doing the neck down work. And we, we got invited to weddings. We had babies named after us and it still happens today. You know, we get wedding announcements from the people that we serve and yeah, I was very blessed. His book is Sinless Sex, Dr. William Staten. Yeah. All right. And final kind of question from this segment. Um, what is a course you have completed recently? A course? That you've completed recently. In my own taking it or presenting? Yeah, Shh. whichever. Taking it? <laughs> taking it, preferably. Okay, I'm going to say this to the world. Um, it's uh, I'm studying on how to be in front of the camera and be on stage and bring my best face to, it. you know, cues and tips. And because of the book coming out, um, my hope right. is to get on, the, you know, really get the word out. And that's yeah. my that's my mission now is mm -hmm. to get the word out for sure. Yeah. Plus years of work and. Yeah, so I'm looking into those kinds of things, how to fix my hair. This is a new hairdo. I was a brunette <laughs> a week ago. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, it's, it's, it's the, well, I was on with Jerry when we were practicing, sort of. And he, what's he say? Chic 80s? Yeah, 90s. <laughs> 90s. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So I've been riding with that. <laughs> so far, one of my daughters likes it. I haven't seen the other two yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, all right. Now we've gotten to know you. Let's kind of move to the meat um, of our episode today, um, which is kind of talking about physical intimacy. Am I right in kind of terming it, phrasing it that way? Physical intimacy? Well, you can because that's how people frame it mm -hmm. as, you know, it's a safer word to use. It's a nicer word to use rather than sex. Of course. And it's a yeah. gentler word for when it's either couple talking about it um or your parents talking to you about it you of know, course like, yeah and we've definitely got them. a few questions about all of that yeah. but um during the course of the podcast you can use sex you can use physical intimacy both of them work um you're welcome to use either one um okay. but i guess to start off with um what is a relationship and how would you describe a relationship hmm We look at relationships as the greatest opportunity to, de to design and find your connection 
first with yourself, because that's the most important relationship. And then how do you share that with another? And what we like, like for folks to walk away with is that relationships are negotiable, that you can talk through what is your you with you. And you're going to hear me say it a lot because it's where it all starts. And then taking you with other, because if you don't have a healthy you with you, you're not going to have a healthy you with other. And that's what relationships are built for is to support who the person you love is or um, can be um, in a, the healthiest possible situation. So the sharing of healthy you with you inside of communication, which I call our largest sex organ, mm-hmm. verbal communication. I love and that. Physical, yeah. physical communication. Right. So that is what relationship is. It's relating with you with you and then you with other in the context of um, being able to speak and feel like you are negotiating for yourself and for the relationship. Yeah, I love that, especially when you're talking about um, how communication is the greatest sexual organ. I love that phrase. It's a great one. Um, In your opinion, um, does the relationship, you know, especially, I guess, the romantic relationship, does it still hold the same meaning, um, structure and importance as it has maybe decades ago? Because things have changed quite a bit, I think. Hmm. Well, like any, any word that has so much power and impact, it's, it's utilized in many different ways. Uh, romancing the stone, you know, I mean, that was a movie. So it's romantic is given short, short attention, small attention. We can be, you know, we, we maybe say you bring her flowers. Oh, that's romantic, right? Um, making certain that your partner has maybe the things they need to go out the door to go to work. You know, it's like this taking care of. So how you frame it or name it, I have a book that's a thousand and one ways to be romantic. And it can be just a note in the lunchbox. And then it can be all the way to holding someone's hand till they leave the planet. You know, it's this exchange of our, of our heart to heart. You know, romance is usually put in a heart kind of context. And so, to limit it to flowers or, oh, isn't that romantic or isn't that cute? I think the depth of what we really want is the romance that comes from a heart connection. And, and again, I go back to not this focus on the 
of the genital connection. It's really the heart, and it can be um, can be used in so many ways that I think we're we're cut short of in understanding or sharing. Mm-hmm. And do you think the understanding of that has changed since you began your work? Well, if you look at, I know you asked me for history, but and if you look back at some of the old romance novels, they go back into like um, the the days of when there was more restrictions on our bodies, like women were buckled up to here, and you know, men too, their bow ties. You know, we were so restricted in our clothing, and so romance probably was just bringing a flower or a box of candy. So yes, in that context, like what we see, read in the old Victorian kind of romance novels to what we have today, there's so much more opportunity. And yet we do bump up against barriers and old teachings. And I would go so far as to say ignorance as far as our bodies for ourselves and how we share them with each other. But there's a lot that we lose in the, the umbrella of romance and being romantic because of the disconnect from our hearts in a lot of ways over pain or restriction or fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, how would you, I know you mentioned earlier that you didn't really like the, love the term sexual intimacy, but how, how would you describe it and how would you describe it as different from just a simple sexual relationship? Would you see them as different things at all? Well, yes, because as we spoke about, intimacy is intimacy. Yeah. So it is a deeper connection. That means if you get sick in a relationship or you age into the relationship that now sex maybe goes away sex penis vagina or vagina vagina or whatever the pelvises are doing that's how i see the sex understanding Mm. in the world it's this box of the 10 percent and so when illness happens or um places where we we are unable to be sexual or whatever could be going on, there's the opportunity to really find out and discover, you know, what else do we have inside of our, our intimacy and knowing each other. And couples do discover, you know, a more deeper, richer opportunity for loving. And for me, the word love spelled backwards can be tweaked into evolve. And so it is a way of evolving us, not only as our own uh, relationship with ourselves, but our relation and our relationship with people who are in our sphere that are loved ones. Because love looks different with a romantic partner, with them, with family, and then with friends or your pet. But the evolution of how those stages of all those different varieties can be experienced and shared I think it's endless yeah for sure um how has I guess our understanding we already talked a bit about our understanding of romance and how that hasn't changed all that much despite 
things evolving on our ends. But how do you feel our understanding of sexual intimacy has changed? Because, you know, for me, I'm a young person. Um, Casual relationships are kind of what we tend to gravitate towards as opposed to long-term relationships. But you hear the generation of my parents and the parent, my parents before that um, who would kind of get hitched very young and form long-term relationships very young. Um, do you feel, how, how do you feel like maybe that has changed? Well, we live longer. Mm. You got married and had kids because you only lived to be 35 or 40. Well, I mean, really, it, it was that pressure on on having the children. And today, I feel that that's not the focus of young people. They know they live a long time. And I think it could be wrapped into um, even a um, saving the planet, sort of, that we we have people that aren't having so many babies or, you know, yeah. you have to get married and have babies. And the younger people don't see it that way. And women have more independence now. Back then, you depended on a man. You weren't allowed to work, basically. Mm-hmm. And so now women have their own and they're like, you know what? I really don't want to do the baby thing. Mm-hmm. And so it has changed that way that, um, yes, seeing our sexuality as not just a way to connect with a partner to reproduce, but to explore your own body and the bodies of others. And, and this thing called pleasure, you know, there's many books written on what's pleasure and am I allowed pleasure? And is it okay to have pleasure here? Or can I have pleasure with a whip? Or can I have pleasure with a candle? You know, I mean, it's the younger generations and i i say it's because of us hippies from the 60s we, we opened up this can of worms <laughs> or let's make love not war you know let's just figure out our bodies and our bodies are beautiful i'm taking my bra off and nudity and woodstock and you know it's all here now it really has come back around from i'll say your age group my daughter's uh, 40 in her 40s and 30s i have two daughters and i see that vegetarian thing you know is has taken, has taken root it's all the things that we talked about in the 60s so it was this seeds were planted and i think that that you and your age group are are seeing the fruition of what we stood for and and wanted for 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 people and the planet yeah for sure um that's a really interesting way of looking at it like i (laughs) i've never thought about it being a result of like other people's actions before i always thought it was kind of a natural progression that happened on its own um but yeah that's pretty interesting um how kind of getting into, you know, um, your field of research, how does sex um, or sexual intimacy or physical intimacy play a role in a person's individual growth? Uh, how long is this show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, when I do an intake, which is where I have all my questions laid out, to ask everybody that that comes for an intake or or calls me gets to go through my intake. And the first thing I wanna know is, 
tell me about those first years from before birth, even zero to seven. Because up until then, till like seven-ish, we're starting to get cognition on board where we can think or rationalize or figure things out. Up until then, from zero to you know five and six, we're reading our entire world through our senses. How do we feel? What do we um, notice through what we we smell? The smells. Everybody remembers grandma's chocolate chip cookies, mm-hmm. right? So smells and feelings. And what we hear or experience, we hear mom and dad fighting. We think it's our fault. I should be, I'll be, a, I'll maybe if I'm better, like a good kid, they won't fight. Mm-hmm. You see, so, and were you read to at night? Were you nurtured? Did somebody tuck you in? Or were you kind of on your own? You came home from school, nobody was there. And, you know, it's, it's things that, in some cultures, in some ways, we take for granted. Well, yeah, the kid come home alone. I'm, we have to work. We have to survive. Both of us have to work. So not to place blame or shame, but um, it is what anchors in, again, the issues and the tissues in our developing um, emotions, where we feel, where we shut down and don't feel. So how we develop, I follow it then from that, that's my base and my platform. Then I want to know who was your first attraction? Mm-hmm. And everybody can say, oh yeah, Emmy Lou, she had these patent leather shoes. I'll never forget her first grade. You know, they know they know the first names of the person that caught their eye. It's, it's really, you know, a, a testimony to what my uh, belief is, is that these are the building blocks to the potential 55-year-old virgin sitting in front of me. Right. Yep. So it's these first, your first date, your first self-pleasuring, who talked to you about sex or who didn't, uh, your religious experiences. Um, that's really key to how we build this person's therapeutic process. I don't follow the DSM, which is the Bible of folk, of therapists who have go through the licensing boards. Mm-hmm. I don't put a person in the category or label them. Mm-hmm. We're looking for, again, the you with you and finding out what are the best next steps. And we're always conferring as a team how did the session go? What were your, you know, what was the most important thing that stood out or we need to know about? What should we do for the next session? Do they need any other help? Yeah, I think maybe they should go for some EMDR for this childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So it's a wraparound comprehensive team approach. And every every client is treated like who we are. We're our own unique you with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um I guess that's kind of how like personal growth tends to impact sexual intimacy, but people do kind of tend to keep growing. I feel, um, beyond, you know, in, in their twenties, thirties and beyond. Um, 
I, when they actually start to get into sexual experience, I know you mentioned some of the people you work with are like, you know, 50 year old virgins, but I'm sure there are people you work with who are already kind of actively um, in sexual relationships or actively engaging in sex. How, how, give me a second. How does um, their engagement in that sexual activity affect how they're growing at the time? How does it change them? I guess you have to be more specific about age group. What? Um, um, I guess let's let's go for let's go for thirties, for example. Let's go for like that kind of millennial okay. kind of age group. Okay, thank you. Because I mean, each age is different. It's you different, know, of course. Yeah, right? it's interesting that you you bring that age uh, to mind mm-hmm. because when people would ask me, "What is your?" Um, most common or majority of the age group of people that comes to see you. And I used to say late Mm forties because they're sliding into 50. Now things aren't working like they used to. Women are starting down the road of menopause. They've gained weight. They don't feel sexy anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the partners, be it a woman or a man partners are, uh, the man in this case are experiencing um, some prostate issues maybe, or they're finding out that their erections don't work like they used to. Mm-hmm. And so that was my largest um, client base. Today it is like the 28 to 30 year olds. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is it's, at 30, people are starting to get mad. Well, it's time for me to get married, get, you know, get kids or, you know, that going down that road. And my friends are getting married or, you know, families push me. Aren't you getting married and have kids? You know, so it's around that 2830. So they're coming in either that they have been very sexually active. However, it's not fulfilling. Like there's something missing. And, you know, a lot of those folks have have had porn in their palm since mm-hmm. child, right? Yeah. And so they yeah. think that's how sex is. And we can't talk about it in the schools. We can't educate. Of course not, yeah. Right? So that's the training is the porn or what their buddies say, um, you know, and and through Tinder it's like, okay, let's see how many how, how many partners I can have this week. And, and so it becomes a game. And there's something lost inside of, okay, now I need to connect and be with one person and they don't know how that, and, mm-hmm. and their relationship when they, when they do get into a relationship, they're still treating their partners like they're a Tinder date. There's no intimacy, right? There we are back to intimacy. There's just, you know, okay, you know, we like sex. Let's get our pelvises banging together or whatever you know, combination of whatever. Um, And it can be anybody gay, lesbian or looking at, you know, settling down or having a partner or, you know, I'm going to age out here with by myself or am I going to age out with a partner? So I think right now 30 is a very uh, significant age that that folks are evaluating, you know, where they are and where they want to be as they they age. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I guess learning about sexual intimacy helps them 
learn about themselves. Yeah, well, again, we start with the you with you and we start really slowly. They don't get, if if you have a couple Mm -hmm. and we can work with them together, we take sex off the table. Okay. They're going to start doing what's called sensate focus exercises that comes out of Masters and Johnson's training. Every sex therapist is taught the 12 steps, whatever it is, out of Masters and Johnson. And I worked with Masters and Johnson. I was working at, with them at their clinic, and Bill Masters was one of my professors at the Institute in California where I did my doctorate. Um, very stiff, staunch man with a little bow tie. If anybody saw the Masters of Sex on, uh, I forget who, Showtime had it. Yep, yep, yep. He was exactly yeah, yeah, he was exactly <laughs> that guy, uh, but brilliant and really fought for and stood for that we understand our bodies and understand pleasure. Um, so brilliant what he had, what he has given us. Um, and so with couples, we take sex like penis, vagina, or vagina, vagina off the table. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? Wait, you know, I thought we were coming here to get more sex, you know, but it's building that platform of making love, which is different, having intimacy, which is different. And how do we almost make that the prelude to our sexual experience, build the pleasure, build the connection. Um, I can have a, a client in here and if I feel it's an appropriate uh, opportunity, I'll ask for permission to touch them and I'll take their hand and just touch with intention and attention. Like when somebody says, honey, you want a back rub? You know, honey's like, oh yeah, I know where this is going. I know what he really wants. Who's, who's enjoying the back rub? But when you say, may I touch your hand? for three minutes and you really explore and get related to and understand what this hand is made of and looks like. I have clients, when I stop, they look at their hand and they look at me and they look at their hand and they have tears in their eyes. That's what we really want. I can stroke a cheek and have tears on a big burly football-ish guy, mm-hmm. that that's really where we touch that piece of us. And I, it's in the heart chakra and it's in our emotions, it's in our sensuality, it's in our permission to allow the deepest level of connection without being afraid. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I think it does. It answered that and a lot more, but I love to hear all of it. It was great. <laughs> um, we've talked a little about, you know, the challenges that could arise um, around all of this, but how do people identify when they have a problem? Well, that's varied too. I mean, it, it's so like if it's a couple and they're not being able to have sexual connection, I mean, or one person is has withdrawn uh, and won't talk about it, or a wife found out they're looking at porn. And, and now, I mean, there can be so many things that's, I can't get past this. 
mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? So it's taking case by case. Um, as far as younger people, I had a guy that just called me this week. He's 35, never been kissed, uh, still lives with mom, mm-hmm. and is just desperate to figure out how he can have someone in his life. And so how do we, how do we start? <laughs> you know, where, yeah. where do we begin with that? And mostly we begin with cuddle therapy, fully clothed mm-hmm. um, and holding still. Like a lot of people tend to, when you're cuddling or snuggling, they're like rubbing your arm or rubbing yeah. your face. I'm like, stop. It's a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Right? Even just, you know, maybe even just playing with hair. It's when you're really quiet that you allow yourself to be vulnerable to really feeling. And so we use this massive touch stuff, grabbing hair, and I'm going to cover the whole body. And it's really takes you away from that deep connection. So that's where we really start teaching. How do we get that? Even a snapshot. Because what I'll say to my clients when they look at me like that, I'll say, you can never go back now from knowing that exists for you. And I think it's the greatest gift I can give people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess in terms of kind of making that question a little narrower, um, how, say someone, an individual, perhaps might not necessarily know that their issues are kind of rooted in um, their intimacy issues. How, is there any kind of tool set for them to find out? Can you give me an example? Come up with an example. All right. Um, So for example, um, say uh, someone feels like they are not feeling aroused in the appropriate setting that they should be aroused. Okay. Right. How there's, there's a lot of, I guess there's a lot of things about, you know, people say, you know, your libido can be lower because of just general depression. And they might think, well, maybe that's the case and go kind of Mm -hmm. look into that. How, how do they know exactly what the problem might be? Because they're so so many issues, I guess, that a lack of libido could be put down to. So how can they know or how can I yeah, know? Yeah, how can they know? How they do they how do they identify that there's something that they're struggling with? How can they not know that perhaps it's not normal? How do they get to that point? Um I I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I suppose it's like difficult because it's such a personal thing that it's hard to really say. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's such a personal thing. I think they, people that usually do get to our door are, are pretty broken. Mm. And so it's starting to put the pieces back together. And I tell them, you're a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. And some puzzles pieces are bigger than others, and they're the, where the pain ones are. And if you have a big puzzle piece sitting on your heart, we're going to take it, make it a little piece, and put it in your foot. 
It's always going to be with you, but it's not in charge. Mm-hmm. So that's what my intake is that we find out what's going on here. Who's, who's in charge? <laughs> like yeah. what's running the show. I had a, a, a woman come in. This is what the first client that, you know, I need one second to plug in. Now you have plug in. Now I'm losing my battery. So hold that thought about my oh, okay, most exciting, yeah. most yeah, exciting sure client. Okay. Hold sure on. thing. Okay. Right. So this was back in, again, in the 80s. Is my light okay? Yeah, you're back in pretty much the same place that you were earlier. So it's all good. It took a long time to get me here, so I don't want to mess it up. Um, So I'm talking back like in the mid-80s, 1985, 86, when I started to work with hands-on in in Bill's office, right? And I didn't really know what I was doing. There was no model that I could follow, except I I knew it was ancient wisdom. Using touch for healing is ancient wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so this woman calls Bill. She lived with chronic neck and shoulder pain her whole life, right? Like mid-30s. So the docs had given up on her and said, look, it's in your head. Go see a therapist. So she comes in, Bill does an intake, and he says, you need to go see Susan. Go have a session with Susan. So she makes an appointment, comes in, fully clothed. She lays face down on the table. I start moving around and just feeling where I'm being led or, you know, I don't know what happens. It was spooky for me, too. But I laid my hands on her neck and shoulders, and she started to raise her arms up over her head, having memory of being strung up in a barn as a child. So we don't know what's in there. And mm-hmm. it's where we get the me- messages that we can now get to work. She went and worked with Bill to handle the neck up stuff. And she worked with me to get and through so that her, she never had a boyfriend or close to anybody. You know, she was stuck and living with pain. Mm-hmm. So it, completely changed her life and that convinced me okay we're on to something here you know yeah that was was my first clue that we really did have something yeah for sure so Um, it you know it is what and even during the intake today when you say how do you know where to start i have an idea where i tell the body practitioner to start but by the time the client gets in the room and she might start to do a cuddle session or start and something, he, he might have a breakthrough, like start having tears and have a memory. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But this is the key in this work and the brilliant, sensitive, loving people that, that work with us that can hold space for someone to go through a trauma. You know, I had people locking themselves in the bathroom. I had people underneath my getting down under the massage table, scared wow. to come out. And I had to go get the therapist to come down, get under the table with them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. To get them to be able to be able to drive home. Mm. So I don't know. Did I answer your question? <laughs> no, I think that was a great answer. Yeah. I guess um, kind of, Moving on to our next segment, which is about, I guess, the practice and the habit, you know, people who come in 
seem to have an idea that something is wrong. What is something that they can do perhaps that our listeners can do at home um, that can improve their sexual intimacy and improve their relationship with themselves? (laughs) What's the issue? (laughs) (laughs) Just that they've lost intimacy or they're they're not able to self-pleasure they're let's happy. pick self let's pick unable to self-pleasure as an example unable to self-pleasure. okay so that it could be because of religious conditioning right mm-hmm. and if they do self-pleasure then they have guilt and shame so we yeah. work on that um if there is um well, that can go for either men or women. If men are having erectile dysfunctions, we want to we want to see lab work done. Like, is everything okay? Are you okay? Are you on any? What's the medication? Well, I also I ask about medications in my intake, so I have an idea. Um, and that's when I did, I know to send. Okay, you got to go to your doc and get a testosterone ch- test. You know, or is your prostate all right? So we get medical stuff up front too before certain clients can get through the gate (laughs) to get to the body work. So it's um, mostly, I mean, once we've ruled out that it's physical, it is mostly helping people accept that whatever that is that's separating from their penis, some some guys think their penises are too small, but and so there's a there's a disconnect, mm-hmm. right? That they're size not doesn't matter. I think we need to keep repeating that. <laughs> um, but it'll stop them from dating, or you know, going out even to socialize. I mean, some of these things that people either create in their own fear space. Or that they got told, like if one girl said to, you know, that first date or that first girl attraction thing that I talked about in first grade. And what if he he went up to someone and said, I think you're pretty or you, I, I love your hair. She ooh, get away from me. You're awful. Blah, blah, blah. They can be not dating in high school because they're afraid to go up and approach a girl it's what lands with us and gets in the way and so the the trainings that we get that cause guilt and shame absolutely show up in our pleasure our ability to pleasure ourselves our ability to pleasure someone else because you maybe touch a little bit and get to the goods yeah if you get to the, if there's really is intimacy, oh, that's scary. I don't, you know, I don't know what to yeah. do. With that. Yeah, for sure. And so self-pleasure is how you do learn about yourself. What do you like and what don't you like? And, you know, how can you teach a partner instead of expecting a partner to know what you like, both males and females? And females are way more complicated than males. So, you know, being able to talk about it and to know your own body, to explore it through self-pleasuring, you know, it's it's just a tragedy that this has been taken away from us 
because if we do really believe in marriage, we should be teaching this stuff so that people can figure out how to spice up their marriages and how to keep it fresh and how to, you know, stay healthy physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, that That is really what I think marriage was designed to be, like what the hope was or the goal was, but we still don't really have the tools in place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... I guess to kind of bring it back to like perhaps a habit or a practice, say, for example, um, you were talking earlier about um, men feeling inadequate um, with their genitalia. What is something that they could do at home to kind of improve that or rethink that perception of themselves? Well, switching up a a relationship with any of your body parts where if it's been um, either medically, there's a reason there's a problem or, or if it is just mental or emotional or something happened, I mean, even a form of sexual abuse, um, you can get a different relationship with pleasure. So it is about practicing and inside of the the work we do with surrogates, surrogate means uh, substitute partner. And so we we go from cuddle therapy to um, maybe some Reiki or touch other kind of touch therapy. We're, we're building a platform of connection to the body. And then in working with a surrogate, there is um, the opportunity to take what you've been learning about how to live in your body, with your body, and embrace your body into the sexual conversation, that you're now bringing in a less wounded... um, uh, Like version of yourself. ...message, yeah. Yeah. So to change that message... And then we have opportunity to teach that deeper connection because we've moved away some of the blocks and, and teach them how, you know, play with toys. What do toys bring to a, a connection for a female? What do they bring to the connection for a male? And in, as far as the size matter, um, there's many gadgets and gizmos and ways we can experiment. And in doing so, we keep the relationship juicy. Mm-hmm. You know, if we think the only thing that's of interest is just that 10%, mm-hmm. um, and that's what happens with couples that age when the wife goes through menopause or, you know, there's a loss of um, interest or enthusiasm. Then they throw out everything. They don't touch or kiss or, you know, well, you know, so your partner, your husband maybe had prostate cancer. And now he can't do sex or penetration. Well, what about the other 90%? Or, you know, <laughs> let's play yeah. and experiment and still make love. 
and have that intimacy and that connection. And so there's, uh, you know, there's just so much available today as far as toys and what our relationship is with our genitals that can be altered, I think, in, in a healthy way, either by yourself or with a partner or partners. Yeah, I, or partners, I, yeah, of course. Support florals. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I'm really interested in what you said about like surrogacy and having like a surrogate kind of or substitute partner almost. Um, what what are three good things you found about um, that means of therapy? When when say a late life virgin comes in to us and they don't know where to start except that they think you start with the genitals, right? I've had people's life changed, lives changed by taking them shopping and getting them clothing that makes them feel differently, right? We've gone in and redecorated houses. You know, you go into a guy's pad and he's got the bar sitting up with the big screen TV and an easy chair and that's it. No pictures yeah. on the wall. Mattress on the ground. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> it's altering how they see themselves. And it's in a, it's in many arenas, you know, how how you dress, how you present yourself, how you they think it's in the tools and techniques. You know, if I just learn these techniques, you know, the women are gonna fall, you know, into my arms or you know, these magazines, 10 ways to make every woman orgasm. You know, they've been reading this stuff. So it's educating them. Like every woman's different. You don't know who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I want. That magazine doesn't know what I want, but it sells magazines, but then it sells this fantasy. So it's taking away the fantasy and bringing it down to reality. So I would say the best thing, the, the three things, is they're getting a better understanding of themselves and what what's possible, seeing themselves differently, even by changing their clothes. Which I had a guy completely change because I told him to stop wearing wingtips, the tight buttoned up shoes, right? And to go buy a pair of loafers. He came in all buttoned up in a suit and, you know, sitting there all stiff and <laughs> his wingtips all perfectly tied up. I said, but when you come back next, I want you to have loafers on. He's like, what? He came back in with a V-neck sweater, looser <laughs> pants. He said, you changed my life. <laughs> so it is that. It can be so simple. It doesn't have to be. But it's how you see yourself. Who are you identifying with? Who is your hero, mm-hmm. so to speak, especially for the men? You know, I should be like Schwarzenegger. I should look like this. No, mm-hmm. not every woman wants a Schwarzenegger. So mm-hmm. it's what's natural for you. And my book is called Am I Normal If? Because that's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Am I normal if my eyebrows are crooked? You know, am I normal? If my one sack, my ball falls lower than my, I mean, stuff like that keeps them from dating. Of course. Of course. Yeah. We go to work to find out what's natural for you. Yeah. It happens for women too. Absolutely. Like all of the, so many very weird standards about our bodies. I feel that 
so unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. So that's my yeah. third theory is let's find out about your child, your, 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 um, your nature. What did you come in with biologically? Right. Let's look at that lineage. You didn't have any say over that. You had a grandfather that was drunk then your father was drunk. Are you going to choose drunk? Or are you going to get rid of that because it doesn't fit who is plain damn you is what I call mm -hmm. it. So it's the nature. It's the nurturing. Where were you born? Hollywood or mm -hmm. or Harlem? Mm -hmm. Right. You, you're already off to a start that is already defined in many ways. So are you going to choose that life? Were you read to? Were you nurtured? Did somebody read you books? Well, no. Well, do you want to read your child books? Yes. Okay. Then you're going to throw out those things that don't serve you. And then you, we look at, so my thirds, my thirds, the third piece is plain damn you. What you came in with, your own fingerprint, your own gene makeup, your own you with you. And so we, I have them draw a wheel and then put a thirds like a peace sign and you put nature, nurture, plain in there and they hang it on a wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they can look at, okay, I got this. Like put it in there. What did you get that you don't want to, to, to carry around with you? Yeah. And then we see them grow themselves up into what's called Maslow's self-actualized adult. Okay. And so right. it's really getting to the core of who you are, what works for you, what doesn't work. And yeah. yeah, playing damn you. <laughs> playing damn you sounds like great advice. Um, <laughs> just, I guess, um, to wrap up uh, the episode so far, um, we've got a couple of questions from the audience um, for you. Um, and we're just going to quickly rush through them. You don't have to spend too much time or you can spend a bit more time if you would like to, because I'm sure some of these... <laughs> I'm sure some of these are, that's all good. Um, I'm sure some of these are um, important questions and we've got some really interesting ones. Um, I'm just going to throw them at you and um, okay. cool. Let's okay, go. awesome. <laughs> um, one question is, how do people on the asexual spectrum um, or those with a naturally low libido engage in sexual intimacy in a way that remains comfortable for them? Yeah, great question. Um, asexuality, we, we don't really understand, except that my teacher, Dr. Staten, says he doesn't really believe it exists, that there's something underneath it. Now, I have worked with asexual people, and what I encourage them to do is get related to their bodies. I've sent women to go do pole dancing lessons. You know, feel your own sense of what is my expression. Don't call it sexuality. Don't call it, you know, that it's something that I have to have in order to attract a man. What is it that has you dance and play with yourself? Whether you orgasm or not, or find it sexy, it's still that you with you. And she ended up like she went, uh, she went to like three lessons and she came back uh, in, in, in the session and she had a catalog and here she had went and ordered all these sexy dance outfits. And she was just wearing them for herself. She's married and her husband knew when they were married that she 
identify as asexual, she said, I guarantee you I will never deny you. But I also tell you I, I'm not really going to be that expressive. Into I it. Don't need yeah. it. Right? Mm -hmm. But now she's able, she has this for herself. She goes to pole dancing, she dresses up, but it's not for him, it's for her. Yeah. And so oh, they share wonderful. something. So find where's that level of mm -hmm. you with you that you can take into a relationship and play mm -hmm. and drop the terminology of sex or, you know, whatever the, the shoulds are. That's called normal <laughs> and find your own natural for you. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good advice. Um, how do you approach the conversation of working on sexual intimacy with someone who considers it taboo? Yeah, it, it's a tough one. Yeah. So we start with, let's study anatomy. Who designed you? Who put 8,000 nerve endings on the head of the clitoris? Yep. Yep. Did that, did that being that creator make a mistake yeah that we need to cut out the clitoris which is done yeah yeah i agree <laughs> i mean let's just look at science <laughs> it's there for a reason <laughs> we can't just ignore it control is for power mm -hmm. when they want to control our bodies it's because there's a power. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Very good answer. I agree so much. <laughs> very much so. Um, does sexual intimacy exist only within monogamous relationships or can it exist within polyamorous and open relationships as well? The more the merrier is what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we were designed to connect and experience other, how many other animal species stay with one partner? Yeah. I think penguins do, uh, there's maybe one or two others, but it was, it was designed to control us, to keep us a neat little package, paying our taxes, having children. You know, you get sick and die, then it keeps the medical world and the undertakers busy. It keeps a the property all neat and tied in together. Yeah. Yeah, it's a business. And if we would look at alternative relationships and be open to allowing uh, the person that we love, um, that we say we love, to have other experiences, like, go ahead, go, you know, great, have a great time. Mm -hmm. wear your condoms or, or <laughs> yeah be, be safe, safe. <laughs> but there's so many cultures where this was the way that it was you shared around in the native um tribes mm -hmm. and they didn't end up killing each other like we do or you know treating each other the way we do because there was a freedom in this self-expression of this very um, universal design. So 
people who love and love each other can love and love more and be able to express and experience themselves in a bigger way so that maybe we can love ourselves more, which is harder than loving another person more. But loving yeah, more. for sure. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> uh, really great, really great words to end on. Um, thank you so much for your time with us today, Dr. K. It's been amazing speaking to you. Um, I've had so much fun. Oh, I, I as well. Thank you for trusting me with your folks and your audience and great questions. I was like, oh no, another one. Oh no, another one. <laughs> I was on the hot seat a little bit, but it's, it's good for me to hear what falls out of me because I, sometimes I don't know what's going to fall out of me. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I'm just in it. And then I learn even myself like, oh wow, you know, we really did do that or that really is the truth or, so it's it's uh, an education for me as well. So thank you for the opportunity. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you feel that way. Um, thank you again. Um, and <sighs> had an outro. I completely forgot it. Um, thank you again so much for your time. Um, and where where can people find you? Thank you. Um, just my name. Dr. Susan K, D-R-S-U-S-A-N-K-A-Y-E uh, at uh, dot com. That's also my Gmail. <laughs> um, you can learn more about our uh, programs on um, integrative mind-body therapies or also imbtinternational.com. Uh, but if you put in my name or integrative anything, um, I pretty much pop up. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Adita. It was very fun. You've been listening to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found at re.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.